This podcast is brought to you by MedTech Innovation News, the publication for professionals working in the UK and Ireland's medical device industry. Subscribe now at medtechnews.com. Hello and welcome to this episode of the MedTalk podcast, discussing the latest news and issues in life sciences. I'm Ian Bolland, the editor of MedTech Innovation News, and on this episode I am joined by Arthur Sadike from Essentia Diabetes Care and his colleague James Richardson. As it is National Diabetes Week in the UK, we discuss how people manage their conditions day to day, the digital tools that are currently available, and what the future of diabetes care could look like. So, uh, gents, first of all, thank you very much for... Uh, for joining us, um, obviously because it's National Diabetes Week is the point of this conversation. But um, first of all, can you both introduce yourselves and what Essentia does? Sure. Um, my name's James Richardson. I'm the medical lead for Mature Markets, so that's North America and Europe. Uh, I look after mainly the BGM part of the business. Uh, I'm a, a pharmacist by training, originally from the UK, so nice to talk to some people from back home. Um, been working for Essentia for the last six years. Essentia uh, predominantly is known for its blood glucose monitoring systems um, for people with diabetes. Uh, although we are, as we will get further on in the discussion, um, we're, we're in a series of uh, collaborations with other companies as well. Hi, um, my name is Arthur Siddiqui, and I guess my relevance to the UK is uh, I'm originally from Canada, so we are part of the British Commonwealth. Uh, and my son has uh, dreams to play in uh, the Premier League one day, so there's my tie to the UK. Um, thanks for having us, first and foremost. Really appreciate it. Um, I am currently, I've been with Essentia for nine years, and I'm currently the global head for digital connected, diabetes connected solutions, uh, focusing on patient experience. Cheers, and uh, thanks very much for the introductions. And uh, basically, I hope hope you like gets to play in the Premier League one day. Um, you know, might well might well see him with my season ticket at Anfield. Anyway, uh, but moving on to more serious matters. Um, it is National Diabetes Week in the UK. Uh, this is a very general point, but how do people living with di- diabetes manage their condition day to day? And I'm not just talking about the technological side. I'm, I'm talking about as a general point. How how do people generally manage their conditions? Um, so before we actually, or James goes into the specifics around uh, the management of diabetes, uh, not just specifically for the UK, obviously. Um, in total, when you look at the total population, it's about 463 million people living with diabetes right now. And if you add in another 1 million uh, children that are living with diabetes globally. Um, we did want to take a moment uh, before, and we wanted to recognize that the efforts of this week, or whether it be on November 14th, which is World Diabetes Day, um, it's really about ensuring the visibility, continuation of the work and awareness of the organizations and nonprofits that are taking. Um, and then also, it not just touches diabetics themselves, but the families, support structure that they have, the healthcare professionals, everyone. So we really wanted to just say thank you uh, to MedTech to allow this opportunity for us uh, to voice uh, this opportunity to talk a little bit more in diabetes um, and really uh, thanking the audience for what they do and managing their uh, disease every day. So, what, as Alfell mentioned, uh, 
diabetes affects a, a lot of people globally, um, just under around about 10%. Uh, in, in the UK, it's a little bit less than that. So you know, perhaps the UK is doing something doing something good against uh, against the rest of the brain. Um, but it still affects a, a lot of people. Um, generally speaking, we talk about two kinds of diabetes, although there are others. Um, those that affect uh, um, pregnant people, for example, and then you have some um, more unique kinds of diabetes. But the, the, main, the main two is type 1 and type 2. Type 1 accounts for about 10% of people with diabetes, and that's a, an autoimmune disease. And this is when the, the beta cells in the pancreas are no longer producing enough insulin. And the people with type 1 diabetes, they must have insulin to continue continue their life. Um, without it, it's not possible. Type 2 diabetes, um, this is mainly caused with some genetic predispositions as well as some lifestyle factors that increase the risk of type 2. Um, this tends to happen a little bit older in age and uh, there, this seems to be a pathway. Um, it is so, at least for a long time, thought to be a lifelong disease. Um, there is some evidence now to suggest that if immediate action is taken right at the beginning of diagnosis, then there is some evidence to suggest that at least in some cases, it might be possible to, to put it in remission. But it's generally a pathway that starts with, you know, in, in trying to improve lifestyle, diet and exercise, and then possibly introduction of some you know, tablets, and then as things progress, maybe some injections and, and insulin. And no matter which kind of diabetes that you have, um, it is fairly, it, it, it can play on a person's mind quite a lot. Um, they need to factor in a lot of decisions every day, um, not, not just about you know, what dose of insulin do I need to take after my lunch, um, different things like going outside and different weather conditions can have an effect on a person's glucose. And if you're a person without diabetes, then this you might not even consider um, but it, it, it really does impact um, the, the person's life and they learn to adapt um, different coping mechanisms um, of which managing data can, can, can help. That I'm sure you'll... Yeah, just, just to build on what James you're talking about and what you mentioned is that if you look at um, in the day, in the life of, uh, of a patient and and the way that they go through managing on a daily basis from the time they wake up uh, to um, you know, making sure that they're testing on time, uh, pre, post, uh, all the way through the management till the end of the day. Uh, it really is a, a daily management process. And in that, uh, it's very specific that you talk about self-management, um, especially given pre-COVID, um, there's always a need for self-management. There's always touch points that you need you only have a certain point of times that you're seeing a healthcare professional. And after that, it's the onus is on the individual to help manage or become self-managers self in your condition. Um, what we've seen post-COVID is a significant increase in the type of digital solutions or tools that are helping self-management. And I know we're going to talk a little bit more about that later on, 
But I think, um, you know, again, it's, it's very impactful. I think what we're looking at also is that it's always going to be a balance. It's not just about having digital solutions or tools available, but it's also ensuring that the face-to-face -face conversations are also happening as well. Um, because as uh, James was talking about the comorbidities, uh, you know, for example, when we talk about um, a different uh, perspectives of mental health or any other really uh, underlying conditions that are there, you do require some sort of element of face-to-face uh, -face interaction. But then when you're not with the healthcare professional, I think that's where we see a significant increase or opportunity where digital solutions or tools can help uh, with the day-to-day -day management. Yeah, thanks for that. I think you actually um, touched upon a point that's you know relevant to my family in a way because my, my dad's uh, type 2 diabetic, for example, and the way that he tried to approach the condition because he had a background retinopathy and scared him, quite frankly, that you know he could lose he could lose his sight, and he went on what I could only describe as I wouldn't say it was a crash diet, but it was a case of he he did change his diet radically and change his exercise regime radically, and these these are all things that people have, have got to consider when it when it comes to ma managing type two. Certainly, I'm I'm not exactly an expert on type one. Uh, I imagine there was there's probably a little bit of crossover. But um, I'll, I'll leave you guys to, to, to fill me in on that. But it's how can the digital tools, for example, help manage the con help manage the condition? Because, for example, when, when I refer to my dad, it's a case of he has the the home monitor of you know check, checking his glucose before every meal, for example, just to see if it what what he's got planned to eat is, is sensible and it won't spike his blood sugar. Yeah. So I mean, just. Taking your, your dad's situation into account, um, you mentioned that he was often checking his uh, blood glucose levels. That this is very important in, in a few different ways. Um, what it does is it, it helps you with decision making. Now, people with diabetes, they have to factor in you know over 40 different influences into their blood glucose. And by knowing what your blood glucose is right now, by taking a, uh, a blood glucose measurement, it allows you to make a decision sort of in real time. And, and, and that's great if it's a something like, am I fit to drive? Is my blood glucose too low? Or do I need to eat? Or possibly what dose of insulin do I need to give? So that's all very good for making real time decisions. How data lets us play, and if we look at data in sort of two aspects, we could call it a kind of digital health paradigm, which is the connectivity of all devices with the patient. And this can be blood glucose meters, um, going through apps. Uh, people also have smartwatches, things like that. And the, the amount of wearables and the amount of data collected um, and provides information to that patient is kind of the digital health paradigm. The second aspect is the telehealth connectivity, which is what we do with that data and how that is um, displayed to the HCP. So not only by taking data aspects in, in that, that moment and making real sort of real-time decisions, we also like to see trends. And, and this really is where you know we, we've got apps and cloud databases and things like that that we it, it comes out into its own. Um, because what you can see then is a, a series of data points over time. 
and this can help the individual to understand possibly what's going on with their blood glucose and their diabetes and it, it can also aid the conversation with the hcp and together as, as a, the team which they are in, in trying to trying to manage that disease um, they, they can gain some insights and then perhaps adjust some medium to longer term decisions. So it might be that you notice on a, on a Wednesday, your blood glucose is going high. And then you, you, you try to figure this out because at the time you don't really understand what's going on, but then you know, what happens on a, on a Wednesday afternoon or Wednesday night and say, like, oh, well, I'll play football. What do I do when I play football? Say, like, oh, well, I, I make sure that I, I've had a, a chocolate bar just to make sure that I've got enough energy to play and I, I don't go low. So, ah, okay, so you know, how big is that chocolate bar? You know, it, a kilo might not be appropriate. It, it, you know, it, it might be, okay, let's work on 100 grams or something like that. Um, and, and it's looking at these trends in data um, that provide some insights to be able to make decisions to help improve you know, the, the blood glucose moving forward. Yeah. And, and just to add to what James was talking about, I think, again, taking the example of your, uh, of your father, uh, I think, you know, at the end of the day, these digital solutions or tools that are out there, um, uh, take, for example, an application, if we talk about the Contour Diabetes app, the purpose is really to try to simplify or to incorporate in their daily life management to help them in the process. So, for example, if uh, someone is forgetting to test, they could set daily test reminders in the application that may if in, a, in your busy life day or your lifestyle, you may not remember to, to have that. So you have prompts, so you have alerts that could be tested, uh, putting, putting into the application. Also, when it comes to the healthcare professionals, you can also have the opportunity to send reports. Uh, so if there is on the Contra Diabetes app or a lot of apps, not just specifically on ours, there is the capability of having um, your blood glucose readings not just manually written, but you can electronically then now send them to your healthcare professional as well. So I think, again, it's really to help simplify uh, the daily management and really try to intervene in certain elements or certain aspects of the of the day to day and to help them. And that's where I think digital tools can play a part um, uh, when you're away from your healthcare professional. It's if I was to summarize, I would suggest that it was a case of data helps allow more informed decision making. Uh, but it also allows a bit more of a two way street between doctor and patient, for example, because if uh, the patient is armed with all this data, they if they're making interventions themselves, it, it, it actually becomes more of a consultation rather than a one, one way street conversation. Yes. Yeah, sure. And I mean, the data by itself doesn't necessarily drive improvements in health. It's it's what decisions are made upon that data and that can be a, a better decision or a more accurate decision or a more appropriate decision. And it's those decisions that, that do have the effect on, on health. And when you're talking in a realistic uh, format and you're talking to the healthcare professionals, one of the biggest complaints that some of them have is that the number of patients that actually are not testing as frequently as possible, right? And then when they come in to see their healthcare professional, they don't have that level of data or information that you're talking about, and they're not able to have an educated or a conversation that is going to help uh, understand what are the patterns, what are the trends, what is happening, and then be able to have more robust discussions. So what some of these tools actually allow is the accuracy that everything is recorded, 
and it can be very easily sent as well. And then you're able to have what you just mentioned also, Ian, is that conversation flow, uh, making it a lot more, um, uh, I guess, interactive uh, with the right points. Yeah, um, it feels like I, I can see how this applies easily to type 2 because I've been exposed to someone very close to me who's got type 2 diabetes. But can you elaborate on the crossover that, that would be for type 1 diabetes? Because I can imagine that some elements of what we've spoken about are you know, pretty much the same, but I can imagine there are some nuances to it that, you know, that there are going to be some differences along the way. Sure. Um, so uh, as you identified earlier, um, type two, the first port of call generally is to make some lifestyle changes. Um, although that's not the same for everyone. And that, that is for the vast majority. Um, and things that a type two pay, uh, person with diabetes might benefit from might be say something like structured testing and um, structured testing is um, some quite intensive testing over a short period of time to allow the patient to understand what different influences is having on their blood glucose. Uh, someone with type one, they have a few things that's different um, they are generally more sensitive to insulin. Um, which means that the insulin dosing needs to be more precise because if they were to take, you know, a unit too much, then this can actually put them in a, a hypo and make it so that, you know, they, they wouldn't be fit to drive, for example, or you know, a hypo in itself is, can be quite devastating. It, it can really make people, let's put it, not, not feel themselves, not, not firing on all cylinders for quite a period of time after um so with, with with type ones i would say you know it, it's it's the number that matters a lot um particularly with those and insulin because when it's not correct kind of bad things can happen whereas with type twos it's more insightful or from a, a lifestyle perspective and um, so whilst there, there for sure are similarities to testing regimes and collection of data between the two patients, uh, there are also for sure some differences. And, and Ian and, and James, just to build on what you were saying is that I think you, you raised a very important point around, um, you know, identifying the tools based on the requirements. And it's not just type one, type two, you also have pre-diabetics as well, right? So what is the value of pre-diabetes and what is um, involved in it? So I think, you know, looking at the type of tools, whether it's medic medical guidance, whether it's diabetes information, lifestyle changes, um, you have the emotional social element, you have community platforms. It, it really depends on where you are in managing that condition and then being able to send or have those tools available. And if you look at, it's not just about applications, you have healthcare portals, you have a whole, think of it as a web of different solutions that are out there to try to connect all these dots to be able to bring the data in an aggregated way and then being able to analyze it and we'll talk about ai in a little while but it's really a slather of all these um, you know data points that are being collected to try to make sense of it and then being able to understand where you are in your condition how do you need to manage it better? yeah okay i think we've actually touched upon one of the next points i got written down anyway in terms of digital tools that are currently available are there any that we haven't mentioned so far because you think you've gone through quite a list there already but i can imagine there's you know, there are other tools that can be, you know, adapted to use for, for managing diabetes or for diabetes care. Sure. 
I can start by mentioning a few and then James, please add in. Um, look, when you talk about apps in general, there's, there's you know, 2000 plus apps just in the US alone, right? And um, when you look at the number of applications, you have, um, you know, different comorbidity apps, you have health app, fitness, medical, uh, it, um, as well as diabetes prevention programs, which are more focused to pre-diabetes. Then you have healthcare portals. So, uh, and James will follow a little bit more on the healthcare portal side, but these are portals that allow that information data transfer to happen in the environment of the healthcare professional. Then you also have connectivity to EHR, EMR, which is electronic medical health records. So you're not just looking at diabetes, but you're looking at the whole landscape of that patient's individual record and tying it to other comorbidities as well. Um, so there's you know, a, a lot of collection of different tools and assets that are available. Um, and, and I think diabetes is a really you know, prevalent part of it, uh, but it's not the end all be all in the sense that you have to look at it holistically in the healthcare environment. Yeah, um, I mean, sort of from an Essentia perspective, uh, we have a collaboration and we've released something, I think this week, next week, last week, uh, called Glucose Control Online. Um, what this is, it's a, a, a kind of cloud-based server where uh, there's a um, there's a browser on the HCP's uh, computer, and it's able to to pull uh, the the patient information direct into his clinic. Um, I mean, being on the other side of the fence uh, in in my previous life. These kind of things had been looked at before, but they were always a little bit clunky. So what we did with, with this collaboration is we made sure that everything was super easy. Um, what, well, what could happen in the past was, you know, you, you, you turn your, your computer on and then by the time you, you load everything up, it can take you 15, 20 minutes and, you know, you, you only get to see a patient for a, a short period of time. However, with this uh, glucose control online, um, you know, it's, it's really easy onboarding, easy installation, um, you know, e really super easy to re read the patient data. Um, so, you know, I, I think that we've, we've gave improvements on, on what was there in the past. Um, I mean, that, that, that's our most recent sort of development. Yeah. And, and, and look, just to add, there's, you know, um, it's not just about the patients. It's not just about healthcare professionals. I think it's the, uh, you know, the caregivers, uh, the family support structure, everything. And there are tools available in the whole realm of the applications that allow accessibility to not just the patient, but then being able for, if you're an, adole uh, if you're an adolescent, to, for, uh, for your parents to monitor you. So there's a, a, a lot of connections that are happening in between. I think one thing that's also important is that we are still, I, I would say, not at the starting point, but in, in, in some level of infant stages of digitalization, right? The transformation is still happening. We know that market, if you look at smartphone penetration, which is important when you're talking about digital solutions, um, you know, it's approximately 50% uh, now. 3.6 billion people have smartphones. Um, so it's a significant increase, but we, you know, the, the, the adoption is going to continue to increase, I think, over the next uh, you know, uh, few years. And then on top of that, you had COVID that actually accelerated it significantly as well. But I also want to tailor that down with to say that adaption is still, you know, again, uh, uh, to a certain extent, it's still starting. 
when you look at the healthcare environment or healthcare professionals, we need to ensure that the digital solutions and the tools that uh, manufacturers, uh, that healthcare professionals or anyone or even patients are using are very simple, intuitive, and easy. Because when it comes to digital solutions, it's very important that you're able to not just build the solution, but have it tailored that people are actually going to use it. So the adoption is still relatively needs more, I guess, education, more awareness. And then really, um, to James's point earlier about making sure that the outcomes are there um, and the benefit is really understood, not just from uh, patients, but then the healthcare professionals and then governments as well, because they're the ones who are looking at reimbursement in a lot of these tools. Okay, I think you've actually co covered a couple of points that I'd like to come on to. But first of all, I'd like to focus on Ascensius, because I would, I, I, is this one of the areas where you spotted an opportunity for digital in, in diabetes and the fact that people are becoming more you know, digitally savvy, there's people are getting more, more technology in the palm of your hand, for example, and it, it seems to be, you know, you mean you were around before COVID, but there is a case that COVID has accelerated this and that's broadened that opportunity more. Yeah, just, just to start with, I think um, even before we go into digital, uh, one one fact that we are proud of it with Ascentia is that if you look at our legacy and our heritage, uh, we have a lot of firsts. And just for as an example, in 1981, we launched our uh, the first personal blood glucose uh, blood glucose monitor. So this was something that patients can actually carry around with them as opposed to going into the healthcare office. Um, our mission, obviously, at Ascentia is always to empower and, and to make sure that we make it as easy as possible for people living with diabetes through providing innovative solutions. Um, we're listening to our customers. When we created the Contour Diabetes app in 2016, we didn't just you know, work with R&D to develop the application. We did a lot of time with the user interface and user experience on testing and making sure that we're understanding the patient requirements and needs. So there was a lot of research that went in. Where you look uh, at the Contour Diabetes app specifically today, I think we have done a significant job in accelerating the adaption. Right now, we're at about 1.6 million downloads globally. Uh, we have we're in 65, um, 64, excuse me, 64 countries um, with a with a significant plan over the next year to increase um, the country adoption, as well as 27 languages. So yeah, I mean, Atta's correct. We, we've got a lot of users. We've we've had a lot of downloads um, we're involved in a lot of countries um, but what's really important is so how does that affect our, our patients and you know we we found this quite quite early on well, what we did is we 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 looked at a study we we looked at some cloud data of the first 30 days of use of our app and we compared that to those patients that used our app for more than six months, more than 180 days. And what we found is that not only were they testing more, which is presumably a good thing. If you test more, then maybe you have a better idea where your blood glucose is going. But they were also producing less high results, less hyperglycemic results, and less low results, less hypoglycemic results, and more results in the middle, in range. So, you know, th th this to us was, um, you know, marvelous that, to understand that if, if someone sticks with us, sticks with their app, then the, the chances of them getting results where they need to be 
uh, it's, it's really having an effect and you know it's, it's really valuable and, and really where we want to be helping our, our people with diabetes Can I just pick up on that for a second because you know you, you mentioned that there were more people testing within range was is that purely down to regular testing or is it can that be put down to the setting that they're in for example because I just think of blood pressure monitoring, for example. You can go to the doctor and you can have elements of white coat syndrome and it spikes. Can that be the same with blood sugar? Or I mean, I'll leave this open to you because I'm not an expert on this area. So, I mean, the, the perfectly valid question. Um, actually, the, this was cloud data that we mined. So uh, every single result was the, the user taking the result whenever they wanted without any indication. Um, you know, that they gave us permission to look at their data as part of the end user license agreement. But, you know, other than that, they, they didn't know that we would be analyzing their data retrospectively. Um, but, you know, it, it, so that there was no, if you like, study factors that would have came into play, such as white coat syndrome, as an example. Um, there was no encouragement for them to test more. They just chose to test more. Um, I mean, it, it could be that uh, the HCP might have been asking them to test more, but that was completely independent of Essentia. That had nothing to do with any interference from, from the company whatsoever. So this is truly a, a real-world evidence piece. This is, this is what was demonstrated in a totally unbiased setting. Yeah, it's 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 a fascinating result that you that you come across. Uh, nevertheless, I mean, it's certainly an area I personally like 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 to know more about. But obviously, I can appreciate that you've uh, it, that it's probably not an area that you you can go into. Um, if it's okay, if it's okay, I'd like to move on more generally to data and digital solutions in the healthcare space because yeah, we've we've spoken about COVID already, uh, and it seems to have. Uh, astronomically accelerated the trend of adoption. Um, but more generally, how is data and digital solutions changing healthcare? I think um, it starts at the top uh, from, from the structural government support structures. And I think when you look at specifically in Europe, um, I'll just give you a couple examples. Uh, in 2019, Germany's Health Act uh, for reimbursement of applications was a significant move. Um, they looked at being able to prescribe applications, online video consultations. Um, then you have Spain uh, post-COVID uh, of the relief fund for, uh, for the pandemic really uh, received 15 billion uh, you know, euros into uh, investments into digital transformation. Um, you know, not just uh, you know, networks, um, security, but just tools in itself. And there's a lot of uh, work that's happening there. Then closer to home, and when you look at uh, in the UK, the NHS uh, has a very significant digital transformation uh, program. Um, there's uh, on there's a 57-page report that was just done last year uh, that talks about an 8.1 billion pound investment um, in 2024. They have a goal to reach um, what they call uh, the core level of digitalization. So I, I think when you look at um, in total the solutions in the healthcare system changing. Uh, it, it's, it's a really big push from the top down. And then when you see manufacturers uh, working with this whole web that I talked about earlier around the network, it, it's, it's, it's significant movement that is happening in this area. 
Yeah, and, and even within the, the, the diabetes sphere, um, I mean, only in, in the last few weeks, there was a chap called David Klonoff, who is a very well-respected uh, physician in the field of diabetes and diabetes technology. Um, he published a paper, and he even went so strong to say that connectivity and the degree of connectivity should be considered as the, the sixth vital sign. And, and just to understand how strong that message is, the other five are blood pressure, pulse, respiratory rate, temperature, and then more recently pain or, or the lack of it. So, you know, how vital digital connectivity is, is becoming, I think, yes, it, it, it found an opportunity in COVID and it, it actually showed some very good benefits during COVID and this just gained traction and accelerated the development of, of connectivity. But this is absolutely the way forward that, that we need to be. I think uh, you actually touched upon something that's going to be spoken about even beyond healthcare where it becomes, you know, connectivity is the sixth vital sign. You know, you're going to be talking about connectivity and digital being an essential infrastructure part, you know, for, for anywhere in the world. And if healthcare is a, an important co- it's an important cornerstone for healthcare, then everybody's going to need good access, good di- good digital health access, and good connectivity access. Um, if we can just move on to one final point, really, it's the case of data and AI. Um, first of all, what role does that play, and what could the future of diabetes care look like? So. I mean, I, I think to answer your question, it's it's best to just kind of define it. And, you know, one of those definitions is what is AI? And I, I think, you know, it's something different to what a regular algorithm is. A regular algorithm is when you put an input in and you get a foreseeable output out. And this could be, say, something like a bolus calculator for insulin. If, if you say how what your blood glucose is now, how many carbs you're about to eat, then it can run an algorithm and it will consistently explain um, how many units of insulin you need to you need to dose. With AI, however, this is something different. That this is something that allows it to improve its own algorithm without outside help. Um, this I, I find difficult for, for regulators to at least assess that there is a certain amount of risk involved in that. Um, you know, when the regulator asks you the question, well, if these are the inputs, what's the output? And you say, well, I don't know. Um, it, it can be a very difficult time for the regulator to say, oh, well, then you know, you're not giving me enough information to approve it. And I, I fully understand that because there's a high degree of risk in that. Where I do see a, a kind of space is more of a hybrid type model where those decisions or those outputs which will be deemed high risk, such as how many units of insulin to those, then if, if they were taken care of by a more traditional algorithm, one that you can foresee what the result would be. And the more less risky um, aspects say something like motivation to exercise or motivational factors to test, um, then yeah, uh, there, there is some aspect of AI or, or machine learning which can be useful there. An example might be 
let's say if your app is telling you at 7 a.m. every morning to test your blood glucose, and then after a while it realizes, realizes that you're not testing because you might not be a morning person. So then it, it asks you at nine instead of seven. Then, you know, this I see as an area where AI can be in. Um, I see the regulators taking on more of a low risk in this aspect. Uh, but I also see it as being the, the thin end of the wedge, if you like. Um, I, I think certainly on prospective decision making, um, if we can show that A, it's not harmful and B, that there's a benefit, then there may be an appetite to further encourage movement in this area. Um, for the retrospective side, I, I'll, I'll let out our... Yeah, sure. Just thanks, James. Just to add to that. I think um, optimistically, I believe in the future of AI and where it could play a very significant role is going from managing to prevention. And when you look at um, you know, the, the development of learning from historical and being able to implement you know, medical findings, for example, when you look at early diagnosis in um, diabetes retinopathy, deep learning, AI screening, um, detection, monitoring uh, incidences, these are areas where you can start looking at and developing a little bit more on the prevention element as opposed to um, you know, looking at monitoring. Uh, risk modeling is another one. When you look at uh, what James, you were talking about earlier, lifestyle, food behavior, um, for healthcare professionals, it's looking at population risk stratification. Um, and then there's always benefits, uh, not just to the patient, but the healthcare, but also to optimize the platforms, right? Being able to leverage AI in the way that platforms are being optimized in this, you know, as we talked about that word web. Um, and then high risk detection. I think when you look at genetics, uh, metabolic factors, all those elements, I'm hoping in the future will one day really lead AI to not just in diabetes, but in healthcare really drive uh, to uh, prevention as opposed to management. All right, gents, thanks for a very full answer there because the, the AI space is, you know, it's a very, very difficult one to predict, I, I think, because I think I, I get pieces submitted to me all the time discussing how to regulate it. And I think, James, you actually touched upon it, it is increasingly difficult to uh, to regulate. So, um, so th thanks very much for your, uh, for your answers on that one. Um, I'm just going to leave the floor open to, to the both of you if you've got anything else that you'd like to add. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, uh, for me to give, you know, data and the, the, the use of data and technology a chance, we've got to make sure that we get the basics right. And that involves of, of what's primarily important is to make sure that the accuracy of the data that you're feeding into the system is as accurate and precise as possible. I think with that, without that, um, you, you just, you're not going to have a leg to stand on. Um, Essentia, we have a history of having, you know, leading class accuracy blood glucose meters. Um, we also continue this with our partnership with Eversense. Um, he's got world leading um, class accuracy in, in the CGM space. And I, I think this puts us on a good footing to, to continue with what we're doing in, in, in the data space. Yeah. Uh, and, and just to close out on my end, I think building on exactly what you said, James, um, garbage in, garbage out. 
right? Making sure that the, the data and the accuracy of the information that's coming in is vital. And what you do with that data, and not just looking at the insights, but making it actionable for the end patient or the end user of that. Um, in closing, I think we're very excited um, in the opportunities that digital connected solutions uh, can bring, not just to us, but the industry in total. And I think this is the first time in the last few years that we have seen such collaborative approach with partnerships, with the industry actually manufacturers, healthcare professionals, patients, uh, caregivers, everyone working together to be able to identify what digital type of solutions that can help patients at the end of the day. So I think it's a very exciting time. I think the willingness for partnership and the expansion in that area is significant. Um, and then moving forward, I think the, the, the areas where we need to continue to work on is what we talked about, the personalization, making sure that we're delivering uh, tools and solutions to, uh, to look at individual variability, making sure that we're, we're not classifying each patient um, in, a, in a subgroup or a cohort, and we're really individualizing them and giving them treatments that they require for their management of their diabetes. And lastly, I'd like to say that, you know, it's always going to be a balance. Um, as much as digital transformation and as much as we believe in, in AI and what everything is going to be leading to the future, I think you will always have a balance to ensure that there is face-to-face -face interaction, that human touch is always available, but then the support tools for digital solutions are always there in the time that you don't have that level of interaction with Okay, well, gents, thank you very much for your time this morning. It's uh, a pleasure to speak to you both. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you very much. Cheers.